Hello, everybody. Words About Books is, as always, a poorly spoken podcast. I am Ben. I'm here with my co-host, Nate. And we wanted to do a, a quick episode about how you could potentially use books to survive the long period of isolation that you're going to be under because of the coronavirus. And we could say that because we're not on YouTube. Yeah, that's true. You, yeah. you can't say virus on YouTube. I don't think you can say coronavirus. You can't say you got you to be very stealthy about how you approach it. That's really stupid. But unlike those suckers, we're not monetized anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So got them. In all seriousness, we, we think obviously that reading is a pretty good hobby and it is one you can easily do while you are locked in. Um, ideally, a lot of what we're going to talk about works best if you have some kind of e-reader or tablet or some electronic device you're comfortable reading off of. But if not, um, you can always use a computer. <laughs> And if you have the hardcover books, you can make a fort out of them when you're done reading them. Yes. Uh, a couple of things I will say, if, you're, uh, if you don't have an e-reader, if you don't want to use an e-reader... Buy one immediately. What are you doing? If you're only into paper books, and I, I read a lot of paper books for the podcast, I don't, but in general, I, I prefer paper. A lot of uh, local bookstores are doing curbside pickup, um, I know Barnes and Noble is delivering and unlike Amazon, they don't sell essential stuff. So nothing's going to get prioritized over your book at Barnes and Noble, but there's also Amazon. I've ordered a couple of things. Uh, one of them being a boom mic stand for this very podcast and they have arrived way earlier than they said they would. So something to consider. You can still get your hands. Yeah. You can still get your hands on books if you want. What we're going to talk about on this episode, is going to be very different from anything we've tried so far. We are going to uh, first go over a couple of ways to acquire free and cheap books legally. Again, with a <laughs> focus on ebooks. I'm guessing libraries are not, I don't think my library is open. Nope. My library has been closed for, I, I would say a month, but I think it's only been a couple of weeks. It just feels like a month. Yeah, so it's been that's that's my main avenue of of getting a free physical book. I, I don't know if I can help you much there, but the rest of the episode may help you. Uh, we are going to be going over some personal recommendations for books you might want to consider during this particular pandemic, and we're also going to discuss what we ourselves are planning on reading. That uh, hopefully, like the books we're not going to read for the podcast that we just are reading for ourselves in case anyone cared or was interested. They should care. I would be hurt if they didn't care. Well, I am a very minor podcast celebrity um, and people should care about me. And I can't wait to hear what you're reading because <laughs> it's going to be very insightful. And and you did mention this is something that we haven't tried before. So I, I need to point out that it was your idea. It and was. if it goes up in flames, it is <laughs> all your fault. However, if it's successful, it was, it was a team effort. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> there's, there's actually two things I've been thinking about doing for 
a little while now. Um, one of them is this sort of more experimental format podcast where we talk about things other than just purely going over a fiction book. And the other thing, which will be launching alongside this podcast, so please feel free to check it out if this is something you would be interested in, is a blog. Uh, we're going very retro. Uh, it was inspired in no small part by Nate's love of blogs <laughs> in recent episodes. And you can find it at... Uh, I, I actually had no idea what you were talking about at first. I was like, what do you mean, my love of blogs? I see. You were uh, was you were making a joke. Our mutual friend Karen Brissett uh, and her wonderful horror blog that deconstructs and makes social commentary. And her and her baby boomer name. Oh dear. <laughs> we're off to a good start. All right. So where can they find this this amazing blog that I will, without even reading, say is about a thousand times better? Than Karen Brissett's blog. They can find this blog at blog.wordsaboutbooks.ninja. That's right. We use an unconventional uh, domain. Because we are edgy teenagers. Yes. You can find our podcast at podcast.wordsaboutbooks.ninja if you happen to stumble upon it on Spotify or some other uh, program. But we're going to be doing... Uh, some more stuff at the blog. I was my, my initial goal, I don't know if I'll be able to stick to this, was to try to take something that winds up getting sort of left on the cutting room floor or we just don't really have time to cover or doesn't fit well into uh, the podcast episodes. We always have a lot of overflow left over, either from our research or just points that didn't seem to drag on too long. We end up cutting a lot of material from these. Yeah, so I'm going to try to salvage some of that. I think we have some good stuff, and we'll move it over to the blog. And there will definitely be a blog post accompanying this episode with all of the links and all of the recommendations uh, listed out for you. And uh, we're basically going to use it as show notes, sort of. So with that said, uh, I think the first thing we should talk about is ways you can acquire free ebooks. There are two main suggestions I'm going to have. And the first is Project Gutenberg, which you can find at www.gutenberg.org. Uh, Project Gutenberg is a library of over 60,000 free ebooks. You can choose among EPUB and Kindle ebook format, or you could just read them online. I think you can also just get a vanilla PDF if you want. You will find the world's great literature here with a focus on older works for which U.S. copyright has expired. Thousands of volunteers digitize and diligently proofread the ebooks for enjoyment and education. Now, Nate, had you ever heard of uh, Project Gutenberg? I'm just curious. No, I am an uncultured swine, as we have established. All right. Well, it's like they said, uh, Project Gutenberg is a really great place to find anything published before about 1930. They do have some things published after that point, but basically you got all your classics, anything you would find in like your Barnes & Noble classic section. So if there's something you were thinking about reading from before 1930, it's on there. It's in um, all the, the better ebook e formats. The Project Gutenberg's big thing is that 
they want to try to digitize everything that's in the public domain and they want to make it easily searchable, easily accessible, and so convenient to use that you don't even have to think about using it. You can very easily download the file, uh, plug your Kindle into your computer with a USB cord and load up the file on the Kindle and you'll be good to read it on that. If you have some other e-reader that does uh, the EPUB format, um, you should be good there. I don't know if a Nook will, will work with this. I've never tried. Um, on the blog, I am going to have a list of recommendations specifically for Project Gutenberg. If you don't have any ideas of, of older books you might want to check out, there are some very good ones. They have nonfiction fiction, um, some old magazines, old uh, scientific publications. There, there's really a lot on there that is pretty cool. And they've got it sorted by bookshelves, by genre, age group, and topic. The second recommendation I have for free books is openlibrary.org. Nate, I dare I even ask, have you heard of openlibrary.org? It actually does sound familiar. Have you heard of the Wayback Machine? Uh, yeah, that's, I was born in one of those. Yeah, that you were. Do you actually know what that is? The, the Wayback Machine or Open Library? The Wayback Machine. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. Openlibrary.org is actually part of the same uh, group of websites that make up the Internet Archive Project. Uh, the Internet Archive Project is basically a big effort across several different projects to archive websites and other digital media artifacts. So there's one for video. There's one for music. Uh, the Wayback Machine is, of course, the one for websites. And openlibrary.org is for anything you would find in print. I think they also do audiobooks. Openlibrary.org is a lending library. It has everything that is on Project Gutenberg. And it actually has books that are still within copyright, books that were released, you know, this year. You can... What... <laughs> so uh, we were talking about two different way back machines. Um, I definitely know the one from uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle from the fucking 1960s. Yeah, we were definitely talking about two different <laughs> way back machines. My God, what is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, Mr. Peabody, he's a dog with glasses. He has a time machine. <laughs> How old are you? Uh, you couldn't count that high. Good Lord. <laughs> I never in a million years. Why would you think I was referencing Rocky and Bullwinkle? I was, I was a bit confused myself. <laughs> <laughs> good God. Oh, oh, good stuff. Anyway, <laughs> go on. I don't even know why I brought you in for this episode. <laughs> anyway, to use openlibrary.org, you just need to make an account. It's free. All you need is an email address. Once you log in, you will be able to borrow up to 10 books at a time, at which point you will have to return said book or, or one of the books. Uh, they have 
plenty of magazines. Uh, it, it's really like if you're missing your public library, openlibrary.org is a good option. Unlike uh, Gutenberg, Gutenberg, you can download those, those ebook formats and you never need to return it. It, it is yours. Openlibrary.org does not function that way. The file is kind of locked. You need to return it to get another one. So something to think about, but it is probably the best digital alternative to your local library. Now, I wanted to go over real quickly a few not quite free things, but stuff you may not realize you have access to. If you are listening to this and you are an Amazon Prime member, Nate, are you an Amazon Prime member? Yeah, I've been one for like 12 years. If you're an Amazon Prime member, then you may not have realized that you have access to hundreds of free titles, including a number of popular magazines as well as audiobooks. It's pretty much just like Amazon Prime Video or Netflix with titles drifting in and out of availability. You don't get to keep the book. Uh, similar to openlibrary.org, you can check out, I, I think it's also actually 10 books at a time, and then you'll have to return one before checking out another. You do not need to have a Kindle to access this. You can access this from your Amazon Prime account on a computer, tablet, phone, anything you want. I've actually been able to get a couple of the books we have done on the podcast through this, and it's pretty seamless. It just goes into your Amazon uh, Kindle library. The only thing I'll say is for me, it's um, I like to, when I'm doing the podcast, I like to look at, I read the book on my Kindle and then I have my notes and highlights up on a separate monitor on the Kindle app on a computer. If you use the prime reading feature, you can't do that. You, you can only have it active on one device at a time. I can't imagine that would be an issue for really anyone but us, <laughs> but... Um, Life is hard. Yeah. The other thing I, I wanted to mention, I don't know, this, this isn't really something we talk about on the podcast all that often, but uh, for you manga readers out there, did you know Viz is still trying to make Shonen Jump a thing in America? If you're younger than me, you might. <laughs> I we've also established you're pretty goddamn old. I so. am pretty goddamn old. I remember. So first off, if, if you're uh, a much cooler kid than I, you may not know what Shonen Jump even is. Shonen Jump <laughs> is a... Uh, <laughs> Shonen Jump is a Japanese uh, weekly comic book magazine. Um, in Japan, comics are, are really a much bigger thing than they are here and they they function a little differently most i mean comics, not right now but yeah. <laughs> most comics come out uh once a week in japan and they're usually collected into these larger publications with shonen jump being one of the biggest it's where like dragon ball z and um most of the things that yeah my hero academia in the West. yeah yeah they, they, they're all f pretty much from shonen jump and for a long time, Viz, who publishes most of those things in North America, has been trying to sort of bring Shonen Jump over. And in fact, when I was in high school, they started publishing a monthly version of Shonen Jump here in the U.S. And there were only a handful of stores that even sold it. Can't imagine why. I don't know. I think it was, should have been as popular as any magazine. But 
uh, modern modern problems require modern solutions. So Shonen Jump has gone digital, even in America. You can go to www.vizviz.com slash Shonen Jump, S-H-O-N-E-N. Uh, you can then read most the most three recent issues of a variety of popular manga, including One Piece, My Hero Academia, Dragon Ball Super, Demon Hunter, Kimetsu no Yaiba, and Oh, more. God. <laughs> Your whiteness is showing. <laughs> okay. Hey, yeah, you can, you can jump right into uh, One Piece chapter 976. Just jump right on in there. One Piece, I... Th- no, it hasn't. Because the Simpsons is still going, but if the Simpsons ever ends, I guarantee One Piece is going to overtake it as the longest running <laughs> animated show. <laughs> it is the what is it? It's like the most sold comic. It's like third place overall, beaten only by Superman and Batman, who have been around forever. Yeah, it's in the what? How long has One Piece been going? Coming out like ten or twelve years? Really? Yeah. It seems like it's been coming out a lot longer. I think it was like 2006 when I first watched it here. So it's probably been coming out longer. Maybe. Yeah. No, maybe maybe it's closer to 15, 20 years. But... Oh my god. Wait, what? I typed it in. It says 1997. That can't fucking be right, can it? For One Piece? It says July 22nd, 1997. Hold, hold on. This is a weird tangent. I didn't expect this episode to Yeah, take. I, I didn't either. <laughs> It's been serialized in Weekly Shonen Jump since July 22nd, 1997. Holy fuck. This has been going on forever. Now, as I was saying, you can only get the most (laughs) recent three issues of One Piece. Uh, So if you wanted to spend, God, I hope, the rest of quarantine (laughs) reading One Piece, you could subscribe to Shonen Jump for... $1.99 $1.99 a month, and that would get you access to everything. That's a solid 23 years of uh, One Piece if you want to just go back through the, through the years and go through all of it. You would be insane. And, and that thing I wanted to mention about One Piece being the third most sold comic overall, they're counting all of Batman and all of Superman sold. And I think it even passed Batman. I could be wrong. Uh, I don't know about that. It definitely passed Spider-Man like a year or two but ago. But they're counting everything from like, what, 1930 for Batman? To, yeah. To the present against One Piece from 1997 to now. So One Piece is going to overtake Batman and Superman, and in every meaningful way, it already has. It is the most popular comic on the planet. If you've never heard of it... Oh, you... I, I saw so much merch when I was in Japan. Just shitloads of merch. I think there was a there was a store. One side of the store sold, like, sweets. And, like, the other side of the store, like, it had its own separate counter, was just, like, almost exclusively one-piece merch. Wow. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, I'm just going to repeat this one more time. For for $1.99 a month, you can get all of the Shonen Jump titles back to like issue one or chapter one because they come out in chapters. Um, I actually was sort of just looking up different, different cool things you could do uh, for this podcast. I stumbled upon this and I 
they, they sold me a subscription and I wound up reading the Galactic Patrol arc of Dragon Ball Super for three hours uh, instead of working on this podcast. <laughs> so I, I highly recommend it. <laughs> one, one Piece is 11 million away from passing Batman. Oh my God, they're going to get that. Now, is that the, are they only counting the graphic novels? I forget what they call them in Japan, but the 10 chapter, like binding, like the books you buy. I have no idea how they determine that. Because I would wager if you're just talking like units moved, if you could count one piece as selling a copy of Shonen Jump, which it does. Oh yeah. It's the selling point. Yeah then it is definitely outselling. But that is like just so Batman from that era is basically not even the same <laughs> character. <laughs> yeah. They are reaching real hard <laughs> to beat one yeah. piece. 1939 there. is Batman and Superman's 1938. Superman is considerably further ahead. Yeah, but he, again, he he couldn't even fly back then. Right. 128 million units ahead is what Superman is of, of One Piece. Have you gathered that in addition to being book nerds, we're also <laughs> <laughs> comic book nerds. We haven't quite figured out how to work it into the podcast, but we're, we're getting there. And this is a good start. I like this, this free-flowing thing we're doing. Third, uh, and this is, this is actually my sort of last thing you may have access to that you didn't know you had access to. Do you ever purchase Humble Bundles? Uh, I did once and then never again. Wow, you are a greedy bastard. (laughs) That goes to charity. Anyway, if you're not a greedy bastard like Nate, you may have purchased several Humble Bundles over the years. And if you don't know, uh, a Humble Bundle is... You could go check it out at HumbleBundle.com. There are a variety of different bundles you can you could buy into. Basically, what happens is a bunch of publishers of video games, uh, software, online courses, books, comic books, just pretty much every kind of digital medium you can think of. They contribute a bunch of free copies and licenses of their stuff to Humble Bundle, which Humble Bundle then sells. You can kind of name your own price. If you pay a certain amount, you get everything in the bundle. If you pay less, you just get two or three things in the bundle, but the money goes to charity. You can set how much of your uh, expenditure you would like to go to the management of the Humble Bundle program versus the various charities they're, they're doing. And it's you know, a pretty good way to give. You get something, they get something. And often the value of what you're getting far exceeds the minimum price to unlock everything. So it's really a great deal. And I know a lot of gamers are, are big on it because they especially like to give away a lot of games, a lot of indie games, especially. So that being said, I don't know about anybody else listening to the podcast. I have accrued a ton of humble bundles over the year, over the years. I'm sorry. And as I was going back through all my various accounts and looking at the things I have, I have literally hundreds of uh, digital comics in my humble bundle account that I have not read. And I think I have all of Hellboy. I have several years of Doctor Who comics. I think I bought just a random like Dark Horse thing at one point. So I've got tons of stuff and you may as well. And the great thing about Humble Bundle is you log into your Humble Bundle account and all of that stuff is still there. 
So uh, for video games, if they were, they do a lot of stuff with the, um, oh, Nate, I'm going to need you to help me. GOG, good old games, good old games. Is that yes. it? Yeah. Yes, that is it. Yeah, they do a lot of stuff with GOG, which is a totally DRM-free format. So your games are still there to download. Uh, if you haven't linked them to your Steam account or anything like that, all the eBooks and everything are still there. So that's a great thing to check out. Now, Nate, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you: Do you have any tips or or any uh, ways you like to get media? I know your your methods may be a little more perverse than mine. Oh, okay. Because you're old. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to believe it when I say I'm actually younger than you are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to believe it when I say of the two of us, you're the one that's majored in English. I didn't major. Didn't I you? left? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're the one who briefly majored in English. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get a degree. <clears throat> Uh, uh no i i think you you well covered it i don't think i have anything more to add uh unless you want me to talk about uh more mr peabody do you know anything more about mr peabody not a whole lot didn't he have that child slave <laughs> oh boy <laughs> what was their relationship uh he also had glasses and i think he was teaching the boy about history and stuff and and my dad had a little like figurine of him back in the day and i played with it as a kid yeah <laughs> it was my only friend ouch <laughs> going along with our experimental format since we've given you some resources to find various books to to try to get you through this crisis uh now we want to recommend some books and I, I decided to recommend books that I thought would be good reads uh, during this time of strife. Now, Nate insisted on not listing it in our shared document and telling me that he wanted my, and I quote, he wanted me to react to all this live baby. And Nate, I'm dying to know. Say it with some feeling, man. I don't, know <laughs> I don't know okay. what you were feeling. Okay. So what do you want to do? Do you want to, you want to give one of yours and I'll give one of mine? Uh, I, I think you should give one of yours, then I'll give one of mine. Alrighty. So like I said, please check out our blog at uh, blog.wordsaboutbooks.ninja. I will have Gutenberg-specific recommendations on there. So the books I'm about to list, they cannot be found on, on Gutenberg. They, they can, most of them, be found on openlibrary.org. The first one I want to recommend is Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Now, the first thing I will say is that this is a very British book. It's the story of the biblical end of the world, the Antichrist has been born, and the countdown to Armageddon in the final battle between good and evil has begun. But mankind does have a sliver of hope. A bumbling angel and demon who have spent a lot of time on Earth and have decided they actually rather like the human world are going to try to save it. This is very much a comedy and it is written in a heavily stylized way by two authors, something that I happen to be a fan of. And I think that has turned some readers off in the past, 
but I loved it. If, if you embrace the style, I think it's kind of a Monty Python sort of thing. You're either going to uh, love it or hate it. But if you can get past the stylized writing, I, I think it's a lot of fun and it may just be uh, one of your favorite books. It's a perfect read if you're feeling a little bit down and depressed. Uh, I know I tend to recommend horror books and that may not be appropriate to the current situation if you're, if you're feeling a little anxious already. So uh, this is light. This is fun. It's, dare I say, even heartwarming. Uh, and I think at some point we may have to do a podcast on it, actually. But we'll, uh, we'll get to that. And the other reason I wanted to recommend it is because even if you are a person who listens to this podcast and doesn't read along because you hate reading uh, or you rightly don't always trust our picks. <laughs> um, hey now. There is a really good Amazon Prime adaptation of this book starring David Tennant and God, I forget his name. I always get him confused with Simon Pegg. Uh, I don't remember, but David Tennant's in it and uh, John Hamm plays the Archangel Gabriel. So that's fun. Christopher Eccleston. No, it's a uh, fudge. I'm going to name all the stuff he was in that nobody else remembers him for. He was in 30 Rock. <laughs> Briefly as the uh, British guy. Baldwin. Uh, what? Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> it wasn't 30 Rock. Oh. oh, it's Michael. Michael something? I don't know. Point is, Good Omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett is my first recommendation. Now, Nate, please, I'm dying to know. Uh, a quick aside uh, to build on something you said. You should, you should always read every book we we read on the podcast so that you can follow along and enhance your knowledge on things except for one of those books um it's pretty obvious which one but i'm I'd not say, allowed I, at least I'm not allowed to say it. at least two at, at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah that okay that's true actually <laughs> um michael sheen that's it it's michael sheen no is it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so definitely read along with us. And on that note, uh, my first recommendation recommendation would be the entire Dune series by Frank Herbert. <laughs> We're going to cover the first Dune on this podcast uh, sooner rather than later. And if you didn't feel like uh, reading all of One Piece, if that's not your thing then have I got another series for you that you can start reading now, and by the time you finish it, the quarantine will be over, and also you'll be 10 years older and wondering where it all went wrong. I, I feel like I say this a lot on our Dune podcast that is, is coming up and we're currently in the process of recording, but I don't love your tone. <laughs> Uh, Dune is one of my favorite books for those of you who did not know. And I forced Nate to read it. He spent the entire recording uh, gingerly rubbing his copy of Dune. He actually has two of them, one for each hand. One's a hard copy. One is a paperback. I don't have nearly as many them. copies of Dune as you do. <laughs> We'll, sit, we'll save that for the Dune podcast. But yes, 
the entire Dune series is my first recommendation for people who want to get through this quarantine. Can I ask, are you sincerely recommending Dune? I'm I'm willing to give it another shot. <laughs> I love Dune and I would sincerely recommend Dune. I will say it's not for everybody and I don't think it was for Nate. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, so, we'll have to get more into that uh, in, in our podcast, uh, our, our regular podcast. So be on the lookout for that in a couple months. But hey, if you start reading it now, by the time our podcast comes out, you'll be caught up for it. I feel like somebody <laughs> stabbed me in the back. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm out here trying to make sincere recommendations. And you're just making fun of me. Okay. <laughs> Brings me to my next book. Something perhaps Nate should read. <laughs> Mindfulness in plain English by, and I am going to butcher this name, Hennepola Gunarata. Hennepola <laughs> Gunarata, I believe is how it's pronounced in his native tongue. It might be Hennepola Gunarata, Gunarata, or I, I don't know. I, I, I'm terrible at that. Hente Pola Gunrata. Okay, he's a holy man. Let's not make fun of him. Okay. So this is not a fictional book, a rare nonfiction recommendation for this podcast, but I'm recommending it specifically for this time for anyone who is experiencing uh, any anxiety issues or just having trouble focusing while being constantly in the same space. Cause I know I am. There are a lot of people like that. Yes. So mindfulness in plain English, if you have ever thought about meditation or mindfulness or getting into any of that, but you didn't really know where to start, you, you didn't want to go to like a, a retreat or anything like that. Mindfulness in, <laughs> mindfulness in plain English is a, a great place to start. Uh, I have had a lot of anxiety issues and meditation and mindfulness uh, have actually really helped me. I know it's not for everyone. It's not a cure-all, but mindfulness in plain English uh, describes some of the basics of meditation, gives you a lot of good ways to get started, gives you a little bit of the philosophy behind uh, Vipassana meditation without getting into it. I promise it's not one of my religious douche philosophy tangents. <laughs> It's a very simple, very short book, very practical, uh, and you don't have to be any particular faith to get anything out of it. Um, I, I just really cannot recommend this highly enough to beginner meditators. So, Nate, tell me how you would like to wound me now. Well, I'm, I'm going to follow up on your meditation and mindfulness with death and destruction on a scale never before seen in all of humankind. Wait, hang on, hang on. Okay. <laughs> so my recommendation is The Great Mortality by John Kelly. So I read this book last year, ironically, uh, before we have another pandemic. This one's about the Black Death in exhausting detail. If you think Corona is bad, you can look back at a time where things were so much worse. So, yeah, things suck now, but at least the garbage is still being taken away. Your house isn't a permeable piece of, sh eh, permeable piece of shit, 
Goodness. And corpses aren't stacking up in the streets. They are in some parts of the world. Well, not here. Uh, may- maybe we don't have a cure, but we could have a vaccine within 12 to 18 months. But back then, they didn't even have antibiotics or even aquarium cleaner to drink. Too soon? Too soon? Aquarium cleaner? I don't... You didn't know about the Arizona couple who mixed aquarium cleaner in like soda and drank it because it contained uh, the quinine that uh, President Trump said might help with the virus. And so, you know what? I'm going to take a bold and, and another a rare political stance for me. I'm going to say that one's not Trump's fault. I, I'm going to say I'm that one was s- going to happen regardless. Exactly. I'm not <laughs> blaming the president. But no, I don't think that was Trump's fault because uh, when you're, I think they were either 50s or 60s, you should know better than to not drink aquarium cleaner. So I don't know how the story unfolded other than the man died and the woman went to the ICU. So I did hear about that. Yeah, don't drink aquarium cleaner. They didn't even have COVID. So I don't even know why they took the risk. It's but a... Yeah. You can drink aquarium cleaner prophylactically. Yeah, don't it do will that. Will <laughs> prevent you from getting COVID. That's that is true. Uh, if you if all you want is to not get COVID, you can definitely go to some extreme measures um, that will leave you dead, and you know you, you won't get it. But yeah, so so all I'm saying is the times kind of suck now but they're not nearly as suck-ass as medieval Europe, and most things aren't. So The Great Mortality by John Kelly, if you want to read just how bad it was. It's a good read. Well, that's a surprisingly um, surprisingly poignant recommendation from Nate. Now, my final recommendation is three recommendations. It's a trilogy. It's the first law trilogy by Joe Abercrombie. It wouldn't be a long period stuck indoors if I didn't recommend a, a doorstoppingly long fantasy novel. Is it is it fifteen hundred pages? I don't quite know how many pages it is altogether. It might hit fifteen hundred for all three books combined. After A Song of Ice and Fire made Dark Fantasy cool again for the first time, Joe Abercrombie published a novel that he had had in the back of his head for a while. The First Law Trilogy is a cynical, dark, uh, sword and sorcery adventure that turns many of the tropes of the genre on their head. Abercrombie's writing is super accessible and hyper-violent. If you liked Game of Thrones before, say, season four, I really think you would love this series. And is a huge plus, and I'm taking a cheap shot here. This book is finished. <gasps> and in my hey, opinion, George R. R. Martin, uh, he released a statement today or yesterday about how he might have to delay it a little longer, but it's it's definitely gonna come out. <laughs> So in the time George R. R. Martin has been writing uh, A Song of Ice and Fire. Now, I will say A Song of Ice and Fire, the books are, are fantastic. And if he manages to finish them, they are going to be possibly second only to Lord of the Rings greatest fantasy novels of all time. However, until he does, I wouldn't recommend starting them. 
the first law trilogy is is a nice thing to sort of scratch that itch of of deep involved dark fantasy and if you happen to blow through the first law trilogy and you really liked it good news joe abercrombie is actually a very prolific writer with about a book a year and he's really maintaining quality i've i've read a few book a year yeah he's got a few other books set in this universe uh, and he's got others that aren't. He actually started a whole new fantasy universe uh, called the uh, Shattered Sea Universe. And I so read... so this guy's been creating universes left and right while George R. R. Martin has slowly not been progressing with his current one. I, in George R. R. Martin's defense, the world <laughs> Joe Abercrombie has created is not nearly as intricate or in detailed as george rr R. martin's I, I i will say that i like george rr R. martin but i am willing to take cheap shots at him because i keep seeing news about him almost finishing i don't think that's his fault i i don't think he wants them to write that <laughs> this is a picture of game of thrones george rr R. martin is writing winds of winter during his corona isolation and it's a picture of him like sipping on a drink <laughs> I I would I would love to see him release like a YouTube video and it's just him playing a video game or or something and he turns around and is like oh yeah uh sorry I was writing you want to see George R, R. Martin's Twitch stream <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would actually watch that <laughs> in his defense a song of ice and fire is an extremely ambitious project and it's a lot of detail and complexity and a lot of pages. If he pulls it off, it will be a masterpiece that is never forgotten. He will be read in English classes till the end of time. If he does not finish it, (laughs) it's just going to be remembered as a failed HBO series. (laughs) (laughs) And that's so sad because I've read all the books he has out twice. Damn. Yeah. Well, I read them once and then a dance with dragons came out and I had to read them again because I'd forgotten what happened. I'll, I'll, <laughs> <'cause>, <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll do you one better. I've read the prologue, but I read it twice. Well, speaking of your reading prowess, what great literary oh, were you, work. Oh, were you, you were done with that? Oh, what? I, I thought I just cut you off. You did. I said pretty much all I wanted to say is read the first oh, okay. law trilogy. It's dark fantasy. You know what you're getting into. Yeah. Is dark fantasy still cool? Like after Game of Thrones failed the landing? I don't know. Well, I don't know. If you were, if you've only watched Game of Thrones and you've never read the books, but you're thinking you might want to read something like that, I'd probably recommend you try, like if you're not a big reader, but you're thinking you might want to get into it, I'd recommend Joe Abercrombie first. He's, he's, a much more, he's much more accessible than George R.R. R. Martin. He doesn't use a lot of old-timey language, which George R.R. R. Martin doesn't either, but he delves into it a little bit. And uh, Joe Abercrombie is just very like, this is the setting. These are the characters. Let's talk about the situation. Very character-driven, very modern-day sensibilities in a fantasy setting. But yeah, I, uh, I'd recommend the first law trilogy. If you're looking at a, starting a big fantasy series, it's 
one of the best. I, I, people still like The Witcher. I think I think Dark Fantasy is doing just fine. Okay, I'll also correct you and say season four of Game of Thrones was good. It it went downhill after that. Okay, I'll take that. All right, you ready for this? I think so. All right, you had to know this was coming. I don't. The final recommendation. It is. Oh fuck! Edenverse, <laughs> Volume One. The greatest book ever written by anyone who has ever appeared on this podcast. And I don't say such a thing lightly, Ben. It's got everything anyone could ever want from a book. It's got action. It's got adventure. It's got comedy. It's got unintentional comedy. It's got mystery. It's got science fiction. It's got words and pages. And I know what you're thinking when you hear me say that. You think this book has got to be, like, impossible to afford. It's like $10,000. It's smelted into gold bricks. And no, that is just the special edition. We have not actually sold any copies of that. But the regular ebook edition goes for the low, low price of just $5. And with that sweet, sweet stimulus check coming sometime in the next year, you can definitely afford to buy copies of this for your friends as well. You would be supporting our podcast, and you can tell all your friends you liked us. Jesus Christ, this is a prepared cool. statement. He's reading this <laughs> off of something. <laughs> I could go into the are you still not convinced part. Do you want me to keep going <laughs> I can't stop. I'm afraid if I start talking, you're just going to jump up and say it. So, Well, shit. <laughs> I guess you can look at 80% of our book for free on our other edgy teenage website, poorlywritten.ninja. And then you can just purchase the book after that out of guilt, which is the best reason to buy anything. So, Ben, what do you think about this amazing recommendation? Uh, well... I, I would emphasize to anyone who's considering we were young and needed the money <laughs> <laughs> to anyone who's considering uh, checking out what we wrote. Yeah, it is. We, we wrote it when we were in college. We are planning a sequel to it. I guess we might as well announce that. Um, something that's sort of been on the back burner since we jumped headfirst into podcasting. But yeah, as Nate was saying, as far as Eden goes, we, we wrote that sort of to practice writing, to, to learn how to write, because we both enjoy writing as a hobby and we wanted to get better at it. And so it's a series of short stories written by Nate and I. We take turns writing them. So one will be written by me, the next by Nate. Um, we may have reordered them for, for clarity's sake. But yeah, there, there's no reason you shouldn't read it. Most of it is free. We will... I think for Eden, it's safe to say we will probably always put the main story uh, up for free. Yeah, I think that's that's probably what we'll end up doing. Um, I don't think... Because like we said, we, we did it mostly to learn how to write. We did heavily edit it. We worked pretty hard on it. But there's some flaws. We know there's some flaws. And it just... it was We like it, I think, as much as we joke about it. Um, <laughs> We like it enough, but not enough to try to shop around to publish. So we're going to put up everything that's up is the main story. You can read everything about all the main characters, get, get everything for free. What's in the 
ebook that you would not get uh, just freely available on our website is a few bonus chapters, a few discarded stories that uh, didn't go through the full editing process, and you can see deleted like, scenes, the equivalent of DVD deleted scenes, worse than deleted scenes, like the first yeah. the first draft of the screenplay <laughs> level stuff, like stories that I Nate was in the process of editing, and I was like, "Don't bother, I'm, I can't salvage it." Do you have any real third recommendation? <laughs> that is a real third recommendation. Or are you talking about how uh, the Dune series wasn't a recommendation? Because it kind of is. Uh, you phoned this in so hard. <laughs> what are you talking about? I had an entire prepared statement and everything. You did spend a lot of time on that. You goddamn right I did. I had passion for that. Oh, dear. Well, Nate, since you have just been uh, torturing me with your picks, we're going to rapid fire finish off with uh, our personal pandemic reading lists. So, Nate, I want you to say a thing you're going to read, and then I'll say a thing I'm going to read. All right. Stahl's Essential Psychopharmacology. (laughs) Is this for school? (laughs) Possibly. What is Stahl's essential psychopharmacology? For well, the record, for the record, I would like to imagine that's an urban fantasy novel. <laughs> <laughs> About a renegade like apothecary. Yes, a renegade apothecary who teaches you, the reader, about neurobiology and medications used to correct psychopathologies. God, that sounds hot. Oh, it is. Speaking of hot fantasy, I've been thinking of reading the Witcher series. I've never played any of the games, but I did watch the Netflix show, and I was surprised how much I enjoyed Henry Cavill in that wig. I mean, surprised how much I enjoyed it. So I've got the first Witcher book all loaded up on my Kindle, and I'm looking forward to reading it. All right. Stalin, Waiting for Hitler. It's a gigantic book about Joseph Stalin, and he's waiting for Hitler. Since I don't know anything about history, I can only assume he's like in a castle or something. He's waiting for Hitler to come rescue him. I guess we'll find out. Indeed we will. I will be checking out the Sprawl series by William Gibson. A co-worker has recently lent me a copy of Neuromancer. I read it in two days. Absolutely loved everything about it. Loved cyberpunk. Can't believe I never read it until now. I may actually want to do this on the podcast, so I'm just gonna just gonna be quiet about it for now. I've got Mog World by Ben Yancey Croshaw, a book he wrote forever ago, and that I once started reading and then stopped reading. So I guess I'm gonna try to try to read that one again. God, do you work for him? You're really selling that to me. <laughs> Uh, if he'd be willing to pay me money to, to sponsor him on this podcast, uh, let's make that happen. We could exchange books to, to read on our respective platforms. Speaking of Dune, <laughs> I actually still have one book in the Frank Herbert Dune series to go. So I will probably be reading Chapter House Dune. If not during this quarantine, then during some other point of this summer, hopefully not still during this quarantine. And then another like, what six books from his son eight books 
I don't think I'm going to read those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got The Last Command by Timothy Zahn. I actually honestly do not know if we're going to finish the Star Wars Thrawn trilogy books, uh, but I already finished Dark Force Rising, so I might as well finish out the series. I don't know. Do you think we'll ever go back to those? <clears throat> uh, we we can. <laughs> You're us... really selling me on this. I don't have any contact information up anywhere, but find a way to let me know <laughs> <laughs> if if you want us to read Thrawn, the Thrawnening. The uh, Thrawnening. <laughs> that sounds dirty. Oh dear, Thrawn. <laughs> <laughs> how have they never made like Thrawn's pawn shop Thrawn's pond prawns <laughs> I don't know what you're going for here I'm just saying words I'm like I'm so tired well uh, <laughs> go ahead and give us your next reading list alright so I'm just going to lump uh, my, my last two together I have 16 months of comic books that Good have been God. in my pull list at the comic shop that I have not read. Every time I try to put a dent in it, I come home with more than I started with. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I've fallen way behind on that. I don't actually know what's happening with my comic pull list right now. I don't know if Marvel's still making comics or, or what's going on right now. I should probably find out. Um, but I, I've got a bunch of comic books. If at some point I may go into that, uh, as a blog post, but for now, I don't even actually know what I have, uh, a specific comic book recommendation though. In fact, a manga that is on my reading list is, um, uh, both Uzumaki and Gyo by Junji Ito. I bought these graphic novels a while back on the basis of the art alone. I had some vague idea of who Junji Ito was. And since then, I have read all of the Tomie stories and I have a pretty good idea of uh, Ito's horror chops. And I'm really uh, excited to read these. So I, I imagine I will be recommending them at some point. Well, as far as uh, manga and comics go, uh, I did just put one piece on my list. Are you actually going to read One Piece? I might. Are you going to start at the beginning? There's, there's enough in there that <laughs> I will be, I, I will be uh, set for quite some time. Now, Nate, uh, actually, I do have a, a secret follow-up question I have for you. Okay. I know a lot of our readers, uh, I, I've actually gotten comments um, stating concern and sympathy for your lost beard. And I was wondering if you, if you had any updates on that. Um, yeah, I, I look in the mirror and I'm shocked that I don't have a beard. It's weird every time I look in a mirror and uh, I have to shave like every other day or else I get really prickly and weird and it sucks and I hate it. So that's where we're at. Let's flatten that curve, people, so that I can regrow this thing. Now, with the mask shortage, do you feel like you've shaved your beard for nothing? It was funny because the one time I needed all that gear, I wore a giant hood. 
So you haven't actually had to use the so mask? So I haven't had to use the N95 mask. <laughs> you shaved the beard in vain. Yes, absolutely. So if, if as a medical professional, your advice to people is to stay inside, uh, read a book, possibly the book you wrote, buy it if you can. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well... This has been an experiment. I don't know about you, Nate, but I had a little bit of fun doing this. A little bit of fun. <laughs> Less as it went on. Uh, <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be interested in doing more stuff like this. Um, yeah, if you want to reach out to us, uh, we're going to be a lot more active on the blog. We are also going to try to be a little bit more active on Twitter. You can follow us at WABpod. Uh, that is W-A-B-P-O-D. So with that, uh, I really do hope everybody gets through this more or less safe and sound. I hope you find some of the free resources helpful or if you are able to continue to purchase books, I, I hope maybe we've given you some ideas for something that could take your mind off of this. And like I said, please check out the blog. Please check out the Twitter. Good night. fuck am i watching what are you watching why are you watching what looks like old people with baskets attached attached to their wheelchair Nate, and a bunch of balls Nate. on the floor and they wheel out and they Nate, i can't <laughs> grab the use balls. any of this this is worthless like life-size hungry hungry hippos i'm recording right now <laughs> i know you can always delete it later <laughs> Why are you looking at these things while we're recording? I was curious then. <laughs> so, All right. <clears throat> uh, well, I don't know, Nate. Do you think we're going to do any more experimental shows?